Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. Wouldn't you like to know what others are thinking? A movie came out in 2000 entitled, What Women Want. A male chauvinist in that movie experienced an electrical shock that caused him to be able to hear what women were thinking. Well, he started using it for his own advantage. But then he soon began to sympathize with and understand others with whom he had previously disagreed. Boy, wouldn't that be wonderful in this day and age to have those who disagree with us take time to listen and understand. We could again have family gatherings without bickering over differences of opinions. But alas, that was Hollywood. And this is reality. Unless something drastically changes, that isn't likely to happen. Quite the opposite. The Thought Patrol is trying to tell us what to think. Convince us what is truth, at least their truth, according to their viewpoints, and shame us into compliance or force us out of our livelihood. But the Thought Patrol can't control us unless we let them. They can't get into our minds. They can't change our thinking unless we let them. Last week, we talked about the importance of taking back our voice. This week, we're going to encourage you to take back your thoughts taking control of our minds so that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm Debbie Blank asking if you're willing and wanting to think for yourself. It takes some work. It doesn't come naturally sometimes because we're used to listening to other people. But if we're willing to do that, the Bible is going to be our guide and we're going to use that to direct us today. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. When Debbie mentioned her movie example, I thought, it might be better to tell people to stick with a good movie than to watch what's on the news these days. Maybe you're like so many others who are finding it harder than ever to watch the news. I think it's hard to say which is worse, the terrible news or the terrible way the news is being reported. The news is horrible and the fake news is even worse. How can we know what's true? We've been told what to think by a culture and people who don't value the truth. In fact, they value lies, and that's called propaganda. And now a group of quote-unquote experts are calling for the Biden administration to set up a truth commission and appoint a truth czar to battle, quote, disinformation and domestic extremism. If this sounds like the tyrannical Ministry of Truth from the dystopian novel 1984, can thought crimes be far away? What can you do to fight it? Well, many experts say just turn the TV off and get away from the barrage of bias, sensationalism, and lies that are pulling you down. But what else can we do? What can we do to guard our hearts, our minds, and our freedom? First, we must identify the true culprit. Anywhere there's suppression of the truth and elevation of lies, we know that Satan is pulling the strings. The Bible tells us that he is the father of lies and the author of confusion. Controlling our thoughts and depressing our spirits is his plan, but we don't have to go along with it. God has the truth and the victory over Satan we can confidently turn to him to guard our hearts and minds as we turn to some practical scriptures on today's program. Jackie, you talked about turning off the TV. During the time of COVID, many of us turned on the TV, but we switched from TV to movies. Now, sometimes that's better entertainment, sometimes it's not. 
But I have found the desire to turn off the TV, just like you mentioned, because who's just telling us the truth these days? I find it interesting that the fact checkers are only checking certain facts and for certain people, but not for other people. And oh, by the way, the facts that they're checking, they're giving us only half truths. Well, as you just said, half truths are lies and lies are from Satan. So we don't know what's true unless we do our own investigation. And that can be kind of hard sometimes. But if we can't get the answers, if we're not sure, there's always the truth in the Bible. We can spend time getting to know God more. That's what I've been doing over the last year with all the fake news and all that's been going on in COVID. My roots have dug deeper into God and his word. I've had fun going on some bunny trails and looking up some things that caught my attention this time. And I've had time to do that. What better way to change our thoughts than to get into the truth of God's word? You see, the thoughts that we're hearing today are being programmed into our minds. It's called propaganda. For decades, there's been a movement afoot to change our thoughts. As a matter of fact, French thinker and theologian Jacques Ellul wrote in his 1962 book called Propaganda, The Formation of Men's Attitudes. He said, propaganda does not aim to elevate man, but to make him serve. That's what we're seeing now. It's getting us to change our thoughts, our processes, our minds, our way of living, our way of thinking, so that we will serve the people who are feeding us the propaganda. We shouldn't be surprised that it was propaganda extraordinaire, Nazi leader Joseph Goebbels, who said, repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. So we just start believing lies without checking them out. Look at our educational system. We have taken God out of the schools. We've taken prayer out of the schools. We've taken the Bible out of the schools. We did that back in the 60s. So right away, our school system is opposite to what our families should be in following God. We put sex ed into the schools in the 90s. That takes out any reference to God and religion and morality because a Supreme Court decision in 1993 made them do that when they talked about sex education. Our schools are inserting cultural practices like sex ed and homosexuality and transgenderism and and freedom to make those decisions as early as when you're in kindergarten. They're teaching Planned Parenthood materials, promoting sex and abortion and all kinds of sexual deviations. They're promoting liberal speakers. They're censoring conservative ones, or at least they're doing that in colleges, but they're also doing it in schools. I know some people who have ministries that are devoted to the kids in the educational systems, and they're no longer able to come in as speakers. Sometimes they can do after-school events, but they're being told what they can and can't say in some of those things. This is the key. They're rewriting history. What a sad note when they are willing to take out our presidents and take out our civil war and take out some of the things that are part of who we are and have built us into the country and the people that we are just for their own personal agendas. That's propaganda. And our kids are being raised with a propaganda that is different than most of us and certainly different than what we grew up with. So we have propaganda in the schools, which, of course, is where the people who like to control people's thoughts and actions like to go into the schools and take the children when they're young and change their minds about things, like you said, rewriting history and so forth. And something in propaganda called the big lie. You quoted Joseph Goebbels. 
from the Nazi propaganda office. He was the head of that, and he talks about what they call the big lie. And the big lie is if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. That's quite a statement from him. And we are seeing that in our politics today, how we are repressing the truth how we're being shielded from the truth. The government is telling us what they want us to hear. We see the propaganda in the media. When you consider that six very liberal companies control 90% of the media and you watch the media, it's really comical because they use the same quotes. Each media uses the same quote to perpetrate their own propaganda. It's not journalism anymore. As a matter of fact, there's a group called Project Veritas who is doing investigative reporting and they're being blackballed because they're actually investigating things and proving what's being said instead of just giving their opinions and they're being blackballed. Of course, Hollywood is full of propaganda, whether it be sex or drugs or language or whatever. And even churches, we're seeing spiritual abuse and physical abuse and sordid gain in the churches. We listen to them all of these propaganda leaders, because we thought they held the same views as us. We believed in them. We trusted them. What we're finding out is we can't trust them. Now, I'm not saying you can't trust anybody. I'm not saying you can't trust your pastor. But what we're seeing is we're being lied to. We're being manipulated. Propaganda is being perpetrated on all these fronts and more because we haven't looked for the truth. We've just accepted it. Well, now we're in a position, and I think it's a good position, to figure out that we need to start looking for truth ourselves so that that thought patrol doesn't get in our heads. So we change that, get rid of it, and put the truth back in. We're finding out that the media has been lying to us, that something somebody says on television isn't necessarily true. Many of us grew up believing whatever was on television, and there's such power that even now, sometimes I catch myself When they say something on television, you think, well, they reported it on television. Like, that makes it true. It does not make it true. It makes it an arm of propaganda. And they'll say things about the conservatives or about an issue that we know to be true, but they'll say it's baseless or false or without evidence or it's been debunked. How many times have you heard those phrases over and over and over again? There is no evidence for it being debunked, but because they say that, you're supposed to believe it. So we really do have to catch ourselves because of the power of television. We just really have to be careful about that. Well, what we're doing is allowing others to think for us instead of thinking for ourselves. We're listening to their propaganda. I mean, imagine what would happen if we had more David Koresh's or Jim Jones's. People listened to them and believed what they were saying, and the Jim Jones people drank Kool-Aid and killed themselves because of it. David Koresh's people in the Branch Davidian were killed in a massacre because they listened to the propaganda that they were being fed. The propaganda now, the Black Lives Matter, do you know what they stand for? Certainly the term Black Lives Matter 
is true because black lives do matter. But do you know what they stand for? They're Marxists, they're communists, avowed. They state it in their criteria. Do you know that one of the founding members channels spiritual beatings? As a matter of fact, she said, Black Lives Matter isn't just about social justice movement. This is a spiritual movement. So do we know who we're following? Do we know what they really stand for? Do we know our candidates? Do we know what they believe? Sometimes we as Christians are said to be so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly value. But I'm saying that we have become so earthly minded that we're almost of no heavenly value. We have to make the decision to change our thought process. I mean, you think of 1 Peter 2.11. Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. He just says right there that you and I are aliens and strangers here on earth. Our focus is not to be on this earth or power or wealth or the other things that the earth gives us. Our focus is supposed to be on heavenly things. Now, yes, we need to work hard while we're here on this earth because God tells us to, but we're losing our focus and we're following the earthly stuff, the thought processes of the propaganda. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, do not be conformed to the world. Well, listening to the propaganda conforms our thoughts and minds. It goes on there to say, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Greek word there is metamorpho, which means making that metamorphosis from the worm to the caterpillar. If we don't make that metamorphosis from our thought processes of being focused on propaganda in the world and what we're being told and manipulated with, then we can't ever turn our thoughts to God because we cannot serve two masters. When you speak of propaganda, we know that they make it sound good. And it's often the opposite of what they say, like the titles they give things like Black Lives Matter and the Ministry of Truth in 1984. The Ministry of Truth is actually the propaganda ministry, and their job is to surveil people and uh, tattle on people because of what they're thinking. So that's the thought police like you were talking about. The Black Lives Matter is marketing genius, even though it's a Marxist organization and the things that you've described Black Lives Matter, how do you argue with that? Of course, Black Lives Matter. The best argument I ever heard was that they said, why don't they call it all Black Lives Matter so that unborn black babies matter? And people who are victims of violence in Chicago with the gangs, their lives matter too. You just have to be careful because whatever they call something, they're going to make it sound good. You have to look behind the facade of what it sounds like it is. That's why we need to start thinking for ourselves. How are we going to do that? First, we have to make the decision to start thinking for ourselves. I remember in the early 2000s that I was with some friends and we were talking about the president, some of the things he had done, and I was critical of some of the things he had done. And they said, where did you hear that? And I said, well, mainstream news. And they said, that's not true at all. And they told me what the facts were. That's the first time I realized that I wasn't getting truth from the mainstream media. So I started watching then, looking to find out if it was true or not. And guess what? I found out I was being given information they wanted me to hear, not necessarily factual information. Well, getting back to how do we start thinking for ourselves? The very first thing is we need to recognize we are in a spiritual battle. This is a battle between truth and evil, between God and Satan. Remember, the first lies that ever came in were Satan in the Garden of Eden when he shared half-truths, deception, manipulation, lies, propaganda. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, we're reminded, For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Think about that. The weapons of our warfare aren't of the flesh. Our weapons are prayer. Our weapons are going to God, seeking him, his guidance, and how he would have us live and think. It goes on in 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to say, we are to destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Instead of being lulled into the world's beliefs and thought processes, we are instead to destroy those speculations and make sure that every thought we have is taken captive to the obedience of Christ. Because Ephesians six twelve also says, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's a heavenly battle. And if we don't have the mind of Christ, if we're not taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, then we're going to lose the battle because only Christ can win this battle. And we can only win this battle through Christ. And in that same section of Ephesians 6, it tells us to put on the full armor of God. And it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Why the helmet of salvation? We're protecting our thoughts we're protecting our minds with the knowledge that we are saved by God and that we have that sword of the spirit, that sword of the word of God. So that's where our truth comes from. Absolutely. Satan is so smart. He is willing to do anything and manipulate anything to turn us to himself. He'll even give us truths or part truths to do it. We have to recognize this is a spiritual battle. Unless we have God's armor, we can't fight that battle. But we also need to realize it's not just the idea of putting on physical armor, it's that head. We need to protect our thoughts. So we need to recognize this is a spiritual battle. Secondly, we need to be willing to look for the truth. We need to recognize times have changed. We're not given all the truth anymore. We need to change our attitudes, our minds, our hearts from being complacent to seeking God's wisdom. So let's look 1 Timothy 4, 7. Timothy was told, commanded, as a matter of fact, to discipline himself for the purpose of godliness. That is an absolute requirement, a command. And discipline is the present tense, which means continually ongoing discipline in ourselves. You know what happens if you're on a diet and you just decide, well, I'm going to take one day off and I'm going to eat whatever I want. Then the next day you think, I can eat a little bit of that stuff again. And then you're falling right back into those old ways. If we don't discipline ourselves, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, we're going to fall back into the old ways. It's a constant battle until we've done it for so long that it becomes a habit. They say it takes 17 days to create a habit. So are we willing to look for truth, to seek for truth, and to actively go after that truth? Because if we do develop that habit, Satan will eventually fall in the background because he knows he can't win. It's so important to not just seek the truth, but to develop a love of the truth so that we don't want anything else but the truth. And it's said of those who perish in Second Thessalonians 2.10 that they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So it's so important to love the truth. First Timothy 4.1, there's a warning that the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Whoa, that's pretty serious when you know that what you might be paying attention to isn't just not true, but doctrines of demons. 
And you know, when we're willing to seek the truth, that takes work on our part. So our third point is that work has to be to search for the truth. Mentally, we have to be willing to seek it, but then we have to actually search it out, not just listen to what we're told. In Acts 17, 11, Paul had just come to a city named Berea. And when he did and shared the gospel, we're told that the Bereans examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They didn't just take Paul's word for it. They examined it. I'm a teacher by spiritual giftedness. If I hear something, I have to look at it to find out what the real truth is, not just what I'm being told. And remember in 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul commanded Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved of God as a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. King James says, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means studying it, examining it, see what God says. Jeremiah 33, 3, God says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things that you do not know. Then again, in Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, are we willing to search for the truth, to truly seek out what is true so we can discern what is false? The words that stand out to me are, Prepare your minds, keep sober in spirit, just going over some of these verses, examining the scriptures daily, be diligent to present yourself, accurately handling the truth. It's so intentional. We can't just be complacent about this. We need to be active. There are all kinds of action words in those verses where we need to be diligent. And then once we're willing to seek out the truth, we need to meditate on the truth. We're told in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, if anything is worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Now, there's nothing negative in that passage at all. Everything we're supposed to meditate on or think about is supposed to be positive. Do you know when I feel the worst or I feel dirty or I feel like I'm discouraged? It's when I've been talking to people about negative things, whether it's politics or something else. But we've been having a discussion about the terrible things going on in this world. I just feel awful afterwards. But when I meditate on the truths and what's good and know that God has the answer and that God wins and that God calls us to live this godly life, that meditation and focusing on that draws me closer to him. And then I hear his spirit. I know what the truth is. I seek him. That's what he wants us to do. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, I love this passage because he says, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of scoffers or stand in the path of sinners. Don't do that stuff. Instead of focusing on the negative, it says his delight is in the law of the Lord and in it he meditates on it day and night. Meditation means to chew the cud. Now That's a funny term, but just like a cow chews on the grass and then swallows it and it goes down into his stomach. Then the grass comes up again and they chew on it some more and goes down into another stomach. And they do that. I think they have three stomachs. So they keep bringing this up and then finally they eliminate it. Well, that's the way it is with meditating. We keep bringing up God's word into our mind and we meditate it and then we kind of put it away for a while and then we bring it back. But the point is God's word is always on our minds. Number four, Teach our children to be critical thinkers because right now our kids aren't. They're following what they're told just like we are and teach them to hold a biblical view. 
Remember, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he goes, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Third John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children walking in truth. How many people are saying that right now? Because our children are walking by the way of the world. That's what they're being taught unless we train them up because they're not getting it in schools unless they go to a private school. They're not getting it in the videos. They're not getting it in the culture. They will only get it from us teaching them. So we know that the kids are not getting in school the kinds of things from scripture that are so important for them to know and for us to live by. How are we supposed to do that? Well, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 really gives us the instructions of what we're to do as parents. It says, these words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. How can we teach our kids the truth if it's not on our hearts? So we need to start first with having a relationship with God and having his word as preeminent in our lives. So it's on our hearts because then we'll desire to spend the time because it takes time and effort to teach it to our kids. It goes on in Deuteronomy 6, 9 to say, you shall teach them diligently. That's God's word, his truths, diligently to your sons and daughters. And you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Catch that. We're to teach them. We're not to relegate that to the daycare workers or to our teachers, not even our Sunday school teachers. We as parents are responsible for teaching our kids and do it diligently because it's that important. And then when are we supposed to do it? Well, pretty much all the time. When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise up. Constantly, we're to be doing it. Well, the point here is that everywhere we go, everything we do, needs to be wrapped around knowing, understanding, and diligently teaching God's word. And then Paul was so strong in what he said about how we live that out. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. You see, we can't teach the Bible unless we know it. And we can't know it unless we exercise self-control in learning it, in understanding it, and in living it. Paul goes on to say, then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. You see, we're not looking at the world. We're supposed to be looking at our heavenly home. Therefore, everything we do should be with the idea of not receiving accolades here or following culture or having people praise us or being part of the group, but instead pleasing God. Paul then goes on to say, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified. Paul did everything he could in his life to make sure that he was walking with God. He was a spiritual athlete, really, is what he was. And that's what God calls us to do as individuals, as parents, and then to instill that into our children. It's really important to realize that our children may very well be picking up on the anxieties that everybody has right now. They're not immune to the news. They're not immune to what's on TV or the COVID or the economy. Their family may have lost jobs, um, all kinds of things going on. So important to help them get their control over their thoughts and to be able to give those things to God and know some of those scriptures and be able to have their, their thoughts Thinking of the verse of be anxious for nothing by prayer and supplication, make your request be known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That might be a good one for kids to learn. Number five, obey all that God shows us. Psalm 119.11 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. 
Many of us know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Obey him is what it's saying. And he will direct our hearts. Are we really taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? If we don't, we will be lulled into believing what the world wants us to believe and living by those standards. Colossians 3, 22 and 23 says, Whatever you do, do your work hardly as for the Lord rather than for men. From the Lord we have received the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom I serve. It's not man. Will you today make a decision to take your thoughts captive for Christ? If you will, it'll change your mind, it'll change your heart, and it will change your actions. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.